who we are and what we actually mean and the legacy that we leave for our children, we don't do it. That in turn reflect on if the children would do it. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with community activist K.O. Johnson. He says it's time to make your voice count. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. If you are brand new here, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much bigger than just money and material possessions. In fact, that's a very surface level definition. When you dig a little deeper, you will see that the 12th century original definition of wealth is the condition of well-being. And so each and every week, what I seek to do here is unpack the other areas of our lives, which impact the way we see money, the way we interact with money and the way we manage our money. And so while you may not get hardcore money lessons every week, I guarantee you, you can read the reviews. You can talk to other people who consider themselves to be purpose chasers, and they will tell you how their lives have been blessed and how they have just grown to new heights because every week we are just chipping away at limiting beliefs or unsupportive thoughts or discovering new behaviors that will shift how we interact with money. And so welcome to you. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. You're going to love it. And I'm really excited about this week's episode in particular because I learned a lot personally and I want to make sure that we never think because we have some level of education that we got it sewed up tight, right? We are always open to learning new things and discovering that we don't know what we don't know. And for me, one of the things that I didn't really know much about was the census. And I was having a conversation with our guest today about something completely unrelated. It wasn't necessarily about the census. It was about how I was going to be giving back to their organization. And as he started to educate me more and more, I just thought, oh my gosh, we all need to know this. I don't want to make assumptions that everyone knows. So here we are today learning more about the census and how it truly impacts our communities. And so without further ado, let me give you a quick bio on our guest today. K.O. Johnson is a longtime community activist and is the Census Campaign Coordinator at Crystal Stairs, Inc. in South Los Angeles. Johnson is a Census Campaign Partner and part of the We Count Los Angeles campaign, comprised of more than 100 grassroots organizations committed to ensuring that everyone is counted in the 2020 census. Without further ado, here's my guest, K.O. Johnson. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, K.O. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And I have to say, so I've known you for a while now. We met at a USC event That's that correct. I was speaking at, University of Southern California, my alma mater. I was speaking at a Black alumni event and we That's met correct. there. And I was impressed with you from then until present because you have such a heart for the community. 
And every time you have reached out to me, it has been on behalf of your students, yes. of the young people that you serve, of the community that you serve. Yes, ma'am. And um, I just appreciate the work that you do. But in particular, this last time we had a conversation, you were blowing my mind because I have <laughs> I'm going to just let the people know right now. I was so ignorant to the depth of the importance of the census. And how it allows us to make sure that our voice counts and that we are truly represented. And so I know I filled out my census paperwork months ago now because I'm on a neighborhood app right here in Georgia. And I saw a post about all the money that was missed because there was a percentage. But here, I think it said like 29% or something of the people in this community or 19% didn't fill out the census. So I, and it equated to millions of dollars lost, but I live in a, a, in an admittedly affluent area. And so they were going in on the fact that people were not completing the census. Wow. And the only thing that I could think, so first of all, I was like, well, let me go on ahead and fill out my form right, (laughs) (laughs) and represent. But then the other thing, once I understood when they were equating dollars to the percentage of people who missed it, I was thinking about all the times growing up as a little girl, remembering that my grandma used to say, we don't talk to those people. I remember Mm. the census takers coming. Yes. And I remember my granny being like, "Mm -mm, don't open the door. Don't say nothing. We don't talk to them. Which leads me to believe because I grew up in the hood, as you yes, know, yes. we both from L.A. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, L.A. So I grew up in Lamar Park and I can only imagine it if my grandmother and maybe many of the people in the apartments around us where we lived had that distrust of the census. Then how much money did we miss out on and how did that contribute to the state of the neighborhood that I grew up in? Oh, wow. Yes. It really contributed a, a whole lot. And I think that that's a part of it that is misunderstood. And because we were not as educated as some of the other areas, uh, especially here in L.A., like West L.A. and some of those areas who took advantage of the importance of the census and really filled it out. And so a significant portion of the funding went to that area. And you start seeing a whole lot of redevelopment that started to happen in West LA and Santa Monica and a lot of those areas. But you also start seeing all the changes where those used to be very affluent, you know, African-American areas. You started to see, you know, what happened when the redevelopment took place. And so because we wasn't as educated as we may have should have been or because the information just wasn't shared to us the way it should have been shared to us, I think that's the reason why there was a certain type of distance with the actual census, right? And and why when the takers came, we didn't fill it out, even though prior to that, we had an opportunity to fill it out before the takers came, right? And and so it's it's us not being as informed. And I think that right there says a lot, you know, about our community and, and, and where we are in the state of our community now, because when the information is not shared, right, we start to see, you know, what the results look like, right? And, and because of that, you know, we, we have these uphill battles that we deal with and, and that we've been dealing with for so long. The census has been around since 1790. 
Mm-hmm. Right. We do it every 10 years. It's mandated by U.S. Constitution. And so I want to first share that it's not new. It's been around, right? Been around since we were counted as three fifths of a person. Yes. <laughs> Which is a very long time. And so when some of that power change took place because of our forefathers and a lot of the leaders, you know, that we had in our community. And when we were able to start receiving certain rights, right, that's when we should have started taking advantage of the census. And the census means more than just wealth. It also means representation. The state of California has the most representation in Congress. And so because of that, it reflects on the funding that we receive because each representative equals funding. And that's also how they decide the actual districts, which, you know, in turn relates to the actual representatives. And so it's it's so important. And I always married it with voting. Right. As we're starting to head towards voting, I always married it with voting because it's an important piece to vote without the census. Right. If we don't get counted at the numbers that we should be counted at, we can start seeing the changes in our districts. Right. Which means that we can start seeing the changes in the funding for our district. And so I always married those two together because they do run in sync with each other. And it it is so important. The census supports more than 200 programs and including in those programs are Head Start and child care services which are so important for the future of our children. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we don't realize where the money comes from that supports the sustainability of education for our children, especially the early education learners. And so it's very important to understand that that money is filtered through by the data that is collected from the census. Yeah. So one of the things that we talked about last time was how often you'll hear people say, well, we don't have enough parks and we don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. And then you say, did you fill out the census (laughs) wherever you lived at the time? Right. Right. I know I've lived several places in the last 10 years. Right. Yes. But I also felt like this time it was my responsibility to fill it out, whether I'm here 10 years from now or not, because it it predicts for the next several years. Right. Right. So when we complain about what we don't have, Mm -hmm. if we haven't been doing our part with the census, we essentially have to take responsibility for what how we contributed to that. That's correct. We we definitely do. It's our job. It's our right. It's our responsibility um, to take care of the future, to take care of our kids, to take care of our elders. Right. To take care of ourselves. The census does all of those things at the same time. It does all of those things at the same time. Can you explain the elders? Like, I understand that with children and like the Head Start programs and maybe after school programs and all those things. But how does it connect to taking care of elders? It supports disability programs. 
Um, it supports programs like nursing homes and, and clinics and hospitals. So the census data really determines so much, especially during this time. This is COVID-19. We're in a pandemic, right? There were hospitals in San Pedro and in Compton that were closed down because there wasn't enough funding to support those hospitals. Well, they had to em- to enact an emergency to reopen those hospitals, Right. And those hospitals mean so much to those communities because now they don't have to travel, you know, to another location in order to get the services that is important for their health. Right. They can go to the hospital that's in their community. But because we didn't count, those hospitals were closed. It's really, 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 really important that we see the value not only in our count, but the value in our number. Our number to our community means that we have something to share. It's a legacy, right, for our children to have a place that they can be proud of, right, that they can come to. They can say, I was educated here. It it, it shouldn't always be that we have to send them somewhere else, Right. If we had the funding because of our count, they can go at the neighborhood school and and really be supported the way that they they deserve. That's such a good point. You know, I didn't even think about it, but I was bussed out of my neighborhood. I went to a school closer to Beverly Hills, actually, uh, six through fifth through 12th grade. And my mom was like, absolutely not to our local (laughs) schools, right? Yes. But to the point, though, we also didn't ever fill out the census. And my mom lived in that area for like, I don't know, 17, 18 years. So I'm sure she had gotten at least one or two shots at a census. Yes, yes. (laughs) At a census. And so that is such an interesting point because it's a way to just help improve the conditions of your community if not for yourself, for those to come. And I think that's the big thing that really stands out to me because sometimes, you know, I think that the fear, and I've been reading up and trying to research some of this since we spoke, and I was looking up, like, why do communities of color in particular fear the census? Like, what does that come from? Because that fear is based on you right now. There's no understanding or thought about future. It's just like, I don't want those people in my business today. Yes. yes. And so some of the things that I found, one, were people, and as a first generation American with many folks who migrated here, a lot of people were afraid of the census because they thought it would be used against them for immigration purposes. Mm-hmm. So that's been a big one that I saw. Um, Another one was just about the number of people who lived in their home. Kayo, I grew up in a two bedroom apartment, but I never had any less than maybe six or seven relatives living with us at any time (laughs) particular. Yes. And I could just imagine that my granny thought they're going to tell the landlord. (laughs) (laughs) So we better not say nothing. And so there's this fear that, that what you put on the census will be used against you. Is that your sense from being someone who's like on the ground and talking to people every day? Yes, that is the fear. It's because we're not as knowledgeable on the truths. And so, so many different false things will come into our community. So many people will spread so many rumors. And a lot of it comes from the fact that they don't want you to be counted. Because the less numbers that are counted, 
in areas like South LA, right, then that means that if there's more numbers counted in West LA, what do you think the money is going to, you know, ultimately go, right? We'll get a little bit, but we won't get as much. And so because of those untruths, because of those false narratives that are spread throughout our community, because of the different campaigns against being counted, right? It, it actually shuts down. Campaign? There are campaigns. There are campaigns against doing the census? Yes, it is. There's a lot of campaigns against doing the census, right? And it's so, and they spend billions of dollars really trying to get people in where they call hard to count communities not to actually complete the census, to do everything they can not to complete the census, and because of those campaigns, because of the billions of dollars that's spent really keeping people from what's rightfully theirs, right, we don't do it. And then we get to see the results of not doing it. We can change wait, that. Wait a minute. I, okay. I can't move past this because I. Yes. This is one of those things I can't, <laughs> my mind can't quite make sense of yet. Yes. You are saying that there are people, organizations, institutions that don't want people to be counted. Correct. What is the benefit to them to not have communities of color or poor communities are the hard to count communities counted? How does that benefit them in the long run? Because it keeps those communities where they want them to be. That's ultimately the truth. Wow. It keeps those communities from flourishing. It keeps those communities from being, you know, better than they can actually be. Right. It keeps the narrative that that's the less than community. If we keep this, this construction going, right. This social construction that has been developed, um, if we keep it in place, then certain people can continue to feel the way that they feel. They can feel like they have the hierarchy, you know, on certain communities, right? They can continue to draw these invisible border lines throughout our city, throughout our county. And so these are very purpose driven campaigns, right? Because if people are not counted in hard to count communities, just listen to that hard to count communities. Right. That's already a negative. Hard right? to count, like means like, what does that mean? Because if you know a community is harder to count, then it seems that you would put more effort, more funding into putting boots on the street or whatever you need to do to educate people Mm -hmm. to be counted. Mm -hmm. So unless you're in some far off rural area, I don't understand how in cities, mm -hmm. right. In like urban areas, it's hard to count quote unquote. Yes. But that's also, if you look at the, the idea of saying hard to count, that's almost like saying difficult, right? It almost goes back to people of color being addressed in a certain light, Right. 
but it's, it's also because the information again just hasn't really been filtered in a way that is welcoming that is it's an open forum to understand that there is a long-term benefit when i am out in the community and i am talking to families um, when i'm talking to parents when i'm talking to elders who are 80 years old and she's never completed the census so we're talking about at least seven times <laughs> that she's had a shot at completing the census. And I had a conversation with her and she started to shed tears. And it was based off the fact that she said, you know, I honestly did not know. So it's because we're not fully informed on the importance of our count, on the value of our count who we are and what we actually mean and the legacy that we leave right for our children. We don't do it. That in turns reflect on if the children would do it. So it becomes generation to generation. And what I loved about my opportunity to talk to this amazing beautiful queen, her grandson was standing right there and he was just in awe at her filling out her census. He didn't move. He stood there. Right. And what I learned and, and what I've been been able to understand is that we truly are imitators. We truly are ref, ref, reflections of the mirror that we see. And so if we're able to see the things that then, you know, that we need to see. Right. Like our parents filling out the census, our grandmother filling out the census. Right. Imagine what that does to our eyes. Right. Imagine what it does to our questions. Right. It really creates an importance. And it's so funny when I go and set up my table and I have my whole social distance set up and I have I'm following all the the state guidelines and, and the CDC guidelines. I see the kids. Right. They 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 are looking through the window and trying to see what was what, that? What is he doing? What is he doing? But when they get ready to leave, the first thing they always do is they drag their parent over to the table. They don't know why they know something is on that table and something is going on over there that we might need to know about. And it has not failed. It happens every single time. And what I have also noticed with that is that if our kids go, we'll go too. Mm -hmm. right. If it matters to our kids and to our kids future, we will do it and we will do everything it takes to ensure that the future is there for them. That's what it means. That's why it's important, right? And one thing that is not talked about as often and as much about the census is that it do two things. It doesn't only just secure the future for our children. It also ensures that our past is maintained. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Come on. Break that down. I think I know where so, you're going. <laughs> and so what I have been able to learn is that for anyone who has been interested in their genealogy, for anyone who ever been interested in their ancestry, right? There's great programs like Ancestry.com and 23andMe who have done successful jobs, right, at connecting us, right, to our ancestors and to our genealogy. And so what I also found out was that they do it through the information from the census. And so I go, well, wow. And so if I'm counted today, 
years from now, when my descendant wants to know about me, all they have to do is do a genealogy. That means that I am kept right in record forever. That's important. Especially in today's setting when we don't record things the way we used to. We used to pull out the VCR camera, you know, everywhere we went. We used to have the Polaroids. We was marking down dates and information about what took place in the picture and what was going on. We don't do that as much, right? We don't capture the moments the way that we used to. We don't create those deep and long, thorough photo albums the way that we used to. Now it's on Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really not the same. It's not the same as having something so tangible, right, that we can actually see. And it's so important that we help to secure our future and ensure our past is maintained, that that legacy of us and who we are is maintained, right? And, and for all of my wonderful biblical believers, right, all of my family and friends of faith, the census is not new to us. Even though they say that the first recording of the census was in, in, in the book of Luke, where it talked about Mary and, and Joseph and Christ was a baby at the time. They was going to Bethlehem because every person had to go to where, where they was born to be registered. Right. But if we look at back in the Old Testament, when when Noah had built the ark. Right. One thing he was informed by God was to ensure that there was two of everything. And when they was getting on the art, they was being counted two by two. So we it's in it's in us. Right. It's, it's, It's a part of who we are and a part of our makeup. We have always known about the census. Right. And and it's important that we continue on on the legacy that Christ has already laid down for us. We should be counted. We should know what it means for our community. We should know what it means for our neighbors and our family members and our friends. We should also know what it means for our children. The census is important. The census data is also used for unemployment. The census data is is also used to maintain our streets and to ensure that there's parks and there's all types of recreational that's available to us in our community. The census also inform employers on the various things that they can do from an employment standpoint. And the data is used to make sure that they're maintaining some type of balance within their organizations. The census is used by nonprofits. Right. So that they're able to ensure that certain funding is going to where it needs to be. Right. And so the census is used right by everyone. The data is important. But one thing I wanted to go back to is 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 your questions that we talked about, the negative rhetoric that's going on in our community. I wanted to make sure that I shared this. Not only is, is it not true. Right. The information not going to be shared with your landlord There's not an attack on immigration. None of these things are not true. It is simply a population count. It's we do it every 10 years because our society changes. Right. But not only that, our communities changes. And it's important that the data is available so that we if we need more low income housing. Right. When builders are trying to build, 
the state says, according to this data and in this area, if you want to build here, we have to make sure we set this many aside. Mm. Right. It's so that things are affordable and or as affordable as possible for everyone. Right. And so the data helps with that as well. But I also want to share two laws. One is called Title 13. Right. Title 13 ensures that your information is not shared with anyone. It is really kept stored. It's only available from a data standpoint, and that's it, just the the data, the numbers, which is available, but those only through secure channels. And so that's very important. Plus, anyone that works for the Census Bureau, they sign these long legal agreements that makes them bound to secrecy. So your information is never shared. Right. Or they're going to spend a long time in prison and find. But in addition to that, there's another law that's not talked about. And it's part of the public law and a part of the public law. It also helps ensure that your information is kept under lock and key for a long time. And so it's, it's roughly around 70 years. It's a long time. And so by that time, if, if possible, we'll be here. But if not, the, the information will be made available to programs like Ancestry.com, who uses those for our genealogy and our ancestry. You know, so it's very important that people know that there's laws that are tied to this. You are protected. You are protected. There's security in our law. It does work. It does work. And our data is kept. And it's very important that we know that our information is protected. And it's not as as a difficult census as people might say, right? There's no information acts about your social security. There's no immigration or citizenship status questions on there. There's no bank information questions. This information is going on in our community. This negative rhetoric is being shared to keep people from being counted. You what was it? Counted. It was your like your name, your age, your name, your age, very right. basic information that is being asked on the census. And it's important that we know that it's simple. It's a nine questions. It takes less than 10 minutes, depending on how many people is actually in your household. It can even be five to two minutes. I, I knocked it out because it's just me, <laughs> um, and, you know, very, very quickly. Right. It does not take a whole lot of your time. But imagine what 10 minutes can do for 10 years. Oh, that's it right there. Come on, Kale. Imagine what 10 minutes can do for 10 years. For 10 years. Oh my gosh. If that isn't like a mic drop, because that says in itself, like, how do you not have time? Yes. There's no such thing as I don't have time to fill it out. I did mine online. Yes. I see something in the mail, but I ended up doing it online and it was very quick as well um, for the three of us here in my household. And that sentiment, man, 10 minutes for 10 years. And I, ha- I have to go back to something else that I heard. And you said so much like, oh, my gosh, there's so much we can unpack right there. Yes. But but you talked about earlier on, we're both African-American or both black I'll just say black. We yes, both black. Yes, say it loud. <laughs> <laughs> so in communities that we may be affiliated with, I read in the 2010 census that there was at least 3% of the black population that went uncounted and then 3% overcounted in other areas. <laughs> 
So the other thing about that is renters were not filling out the census, but then you had people who were landowners that somehow, or, you know, property owners were, were counting where they lived, but also somehow getting account for where they owned. <laughs> Which was not wrong. necessarily where they lived, right? Correct. But maybe investment property for what they owned. And that just blew my mind. Yes. As well. Which is not the way that it actually is supposed to go. Renters, please, please hear my call. It's very important that you are counted. Your landlord does not count you unless, unless you are renting out a room in their house. If you are staying in a a housing unit that doesn't have an additional address, right? And so if you are part of one unit, then there's one census that needs to be submitted. But it's important that all renters know that if you have an address to the apartment that you live in, you should be counted and you should count everyone that lives in your home. It doesn't matter if it's relatives. It doesn't matter if it's foster youth, right? It doesn't matter if it's in-laws who, if they live there with you and have been living there the majority of the time, please count them on your census. Even if they're away at school and even if they're in prison. Well, let me say these two things. If they are in prison, then the prison is part of a group count that the prison actually does. And if they are away at school and they live on campus, right, then the school is supposed to count them as a part of the group count. If they're in the military, then the military counts them by the base as part of the group count. But if they are a commuter, if they commute to school and come home every day, count them on your census. Okay. Because even if they was at school earlier in the year, before the pandemic hit and everybody was sent home, then the school was supposed to count them as living on that campus. But if they did not do so, I recommend that you still ensure that your child is counted. But nine times out of 10, they met that because there was a a certain period that the group count was actually taking place be prior to the pandemic, really taking it to full form. Um, And so we're hoping that that actually happened. But if it did not happen and if you feel like, I don't know if my child was counted or not, count them. Right. And let the bureau figure out the rest. (laughs) But we just want to make sure everyone is getting counted. I I just this is really blowing my mind, mostly because I'm just thinking back over my life and the different times as you were talking about hospitals. Even I think about when um, my first child died prematurely and the hospital that I went to in Inglewood, California, left me there for a long time. K.O. as a pregnant woman who was in a lot of pain, left me there for a long time only to find out that their labor and delivery had been closed down, presumably because of funding. Yes. And I shouldn't have been there. I should have been sent via ambulance to the next closest hospital, right? But from what I understood later, they didn't even have a lot of like ambulances available. Like it was a whole thing. And so while I didn't understand anything about census stuff back then, I was 24, 25 years old. um, I think about that now, and how we find ourselves in these scenarios. And again, we want to have that uproar. And we're like, that didn't make sense. We should have this, we should have that. Mm-hmm. But that funding may have been completely impacted by 
a census that was taken five years before I even had that experience or 15 years before I had that experience. And it just really, for me, thinking about that hospital, you know, and the fact that I did have to get bused, my parents felt like it'd be better for me to be bused somewhere else rather than the school district Mm -hmm. that I was in. And just different things that I think about over the course of my life and not understanding how much this actually has an impact. So when you say that it goes in tandem with voting, Mm -hmm. you know, as an older adult, I understand even more now the power of voting. And I'm really working to educate myself daily because I don't feel like I learned (laughs) enough uh, in history or U.S. government. Got A's, but I don't remember much. Um, So I'm, I'm doing my part now to just be aware And I feel really grateful and blessed that this whole sensitive conversation came up in this time. Yes. Um, Because I just really, again, I'm going to put myself out there. And please, if you're listening, hit a sister up and let me know that I'm not the only ignorant person out here that didn't understand the depth of what the census does for our local community. Because what I understand now is that we leave billions of dollars on the table. Yes. By not participating. That's correct. Uh, What I know now is that millions of Black residents in this country are not counted, which impacts their health care, their public service opportunities, child care, like any number of things. Your unemployment, as Kale talked about, like there's so many things that are impacted. And so I just really hope that we all take this seriously. I hope and I'm I I'm going to make sure that I recorded in the intro. Don't tune away because you think I was just the census. No. Like you said, KO, this is about not just ensuring the future, but preserving our past as well. And as someone who's not from this country and, you know, my family's not from this country. One of the biggest, I would say one of the, one of the things that my mom always lamented was that, you know, in Belize, they had this huge hurricane many years ago, decades ago, but it wiped out all the records. Mm-hmm. And so they had no records of like people's births, their deaths, like marriages, divorce. Mm-hmm. They had no records for, for like 50, 60 years, hundreds of years, but like it took so many years to try to regroup and piece together. Mm-hmm. And I count it really a blessing to be in a country, no matter all the ridiculousness that goes on here, I still consider yes. it very much to be a blessing that a hundred years from now, my descendants can look back and be like, oh, wow, my great, great you know, yes. lived here and look at what she did. And, and she was married to Gerald and had Reagan, mm-hmm. my great grandma and all. Like, I count that a blessing. And when you talked about preserving the past, that's special. Because when I look at those shows where people can go back and trace their history, one of the things that makes me sad is I know I don't really have that. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. I actually was approached um, by... Uh, one of the companies that you mentioned to do a campaign. And I was immediately disqualified because I haven't, I'm not um, at least third or fourth generation American. Therefore they couldn't get the records. (laughs) (laughs) There wouldn't be a way to actually trace, I guess, appropriately or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just even thought that was fascinating that, um, you know, when you said that, I'm like, you know what, maybe my great, great grands will be, 
influencers of some kind and someone will be like, you can do it. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Say <laughs> it. There will be, fat, there will be uh, <laughs> records that I actually existed. But before I let you go, I'm still going to ask you what I ask every guest okay. on the Redefining Wealth podcast. How do you define success? Oh, wow. How do I define success? I defined it by knowing that no matter what, I did everything I could to help that my community was better and that I took the step, you know, every single day, at least a step to help ensure that whether it's me in the community um, helping families understand the importance of being counted in the census it's me mentoring, you know, foster youth or, you know, help supporting foster families and or helping my church and, and the families at my church and the, the grandparents who are sick and shut in. Um, but then I did something to make a difference in, in my community. At the end of the day, I think that's that's very important when it comes to, you know, the census. I see it as it's our community. So it makes it our account and makes it important to us. And so I see that as everything that I do, like my community is important to me. The schools in my community is important to me. The hospitals are important to me. Most importantly, the people, the children are important to me, even though they're not mine, they are ours, right? It still takes a village. I've seen you interact with the young people that you've mentored and those are your kids. Yes, ma'am. You know it. (laughs) Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? How do I define wealth in three words or less? Love, power, faith. Love, power, faith. I got it. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Wow, was one book that redefines how I see wealth. Oh, that is a great question. Oh, man. Mm. I've never thought about that. Well, you know what? This this is what I want to say. There's no greater book that defines it as well as your book. And so I've read your your book, The Version is for Men, uh, with the beautiful football you know, background, green and blue, and I can describe it. But <laughs> you give such a message of hope and a perspective of wealth that has never been shared to us. And I think there's nothing more powerful than that. And it really changed the way that I see it. I look at it differently. I do things differently. Um, and it's really because the fact that you set in stone, you know, um, uh, certain ways to do things that I feel is unshakable. Hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Look, shameless plug. Real money. <laughs> yes. Um, no, thank you so much. Okay, last thing. You're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is K.O. Johnson, and to me, the truth about wealth is love. That's it. Thank you so much, K.O. Thank you. All right. I hope you learned a little something today. I know it's out of the ordinary for what we typically talk about on this podcast, but I truly felt it was so important. When I think about the neighborhood that I come from, Lamert Park in South Central Los Angeles, 
and how many resources we did not have, likely because we were uneducated about the census, about what it meant, how it could benefit our community, what resources it could provide. I realized how that just helps further the wealth gap in this country, because now in communities like the one that I grew up in, we are struggling to make ends meet, to get the help that we need, to get the support that we need, when really there are people in communities who don't even need the resources to the extent that we might, but because they had the education, they're able to take advantage of it. That's what I truly feel. And if I could, you know, as I just think about where I grew up and what my experiences were and the things that we didn't have, clean parks didn't have it. The ability to just walk to a nice, clean, decent park was not a reality where I grew up. Access to resources, things that my grandmother and my mom had to scrape and struggle to put together for us that were so readily available in other communities that, again, didn't necessarily need it. They could afford to to provide for themselves when we necessarily couldn't. And so this is important. This is important for those of you who, like me, honestly, don't live in those communities anymore. Uh, it's important that we don't forget, that we don't forget where we came from, that we don't forget that we still have a responsibility to educate, to influence in whatever positive way we can, to go back and, and support in whatever ways that we can and share this type of information. So I'm really going to beg you to share Share this episode with folks that you think really need it. If you can't share the episode, take the message with you, carry the message with you and let people know why it's so important. Sharing your social media. I know on Instagram, they have a bunch of tags about the census. Do whatever you have to do to get the word out, but let's get the proper resources to the communities that need it. So I would love to hear from you. Let me know I wasn't the only ignorant person (laughs) that didn't truly understand the depth of what the census count meant. Share with me in social media. I'm at Seek Wisdom PCW. If you're doing any cool things, if you like KO are in your community doing work around educating the communities about the census, tag me in social media. I will share. I will repost for you. I just want to really get this word out. So if you're genuinely doing the work, let me know. I'm at Seek Wisdom PCW. If you're a purpose chaser in our free Redefining Wealth Facebook community, let's talk about it. Did you learn something today? I hope that you did. And that's it for me today. So until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.